Broadcasting live from a creepy mansion, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Taya, I'm joined by my Cherelles, Mila, Louisa, and Zeba. And this is our last episode of the month discussing Bollywood horror. If you want to hear one more bonus episode next week, go become a patron. Before we get into it, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. This week, we are talking about the 2019 horror Hindi language film Bulbul, directed by Anvita Dutt. This movie begins with a child marriage of Bulbul to a wealthy middle-aged zamindar, or landowner, named Indranil. As she grows up, Bulbul falls in love with her childhood companion and age mate Satya, who is Indranil's younger brother. Indranil also has a twin, Mahendra, whose severe learning difficulties mean that he behaves as though he is just a child himself. Mahendra is married to Binodhani, who is jealous of Bulbul's status above her in the household, and plots to incite Indranil's jealousy by exposing her innocent affection for Satya. Indranil retaliates against Bulbul in a brutal manner and sends Satya away to study in London. Over the next five years, the town becomes plagued by what is believed to be the work of a Chiril, a witch who is brutally murdering men who abuse the women around them. There's an amazing show y'all need to watch. It's Pakistani culturels. Oh, okay. These women set up like an Abaya store, but it's a cover for a business where if you pay them a ton of money, they'll beat up your husband. Great premise. If he's a bad guy, you oh. need to have a good like, reason. I was like, for any reason? That smug bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just thought we should recap the Chirail folklore. We mentioned it in the first episode that we ever did when we did an interview with a director called Kay. But just to recap, in sort of Southeast Asian folklore, this kind of means like a witch. And it's often thought that if a woman dies in childbirth or whilst pregnant or on her period, she might become a Chirail. Or like more broadly, if she's murdered or like dies in a very violent and sudden manner. She might become a trail. People might perform rituals or like bury or cover the corpse with certain items to prevent the trail from rising. And she's supposed to be very hideous with long black hair and backwards feet being like the two most defining traits. But she can shapeshift into like this beautiful kind of siren woman who lures men. She sometimes has saggy breasts, a black tongue, thick rough lips, a pot belly, claw-like hands, scruffy long pubic-like hair, pig faces with large fangs or human faces with sharp tusks and long wild hair, sometimes walks around naked might be associated with like cannibalism and the director was in an interview with the new indian express she said like even now women dying like that like in a brutal way are burned or buried face down with their feet tied and sometimes their toes are nailed together so that she can't get up and her feet don't twist or then at the burial site they might scattered mustard seeds thinking that when she rises and sees the seeds because she is a woman she will collect the seeds all night and then she will go back to her grave. You know how ladies are. They be they stay picking up mustard seeds. I can't help it. 
And all of that is condensed from Wikipedia, so it's more of a rough breakdown of the lore, and obviously the legend spans across many different cultures and several countries, several regions. So I'm sure there are many in iteration, and that was just like a rough breakdown. I'm glad we have this definition, because when I was watching the movie, I kept hearing them call her a Churel, but the translation on the subtitles kept saying demon. That's misleading because it makes the first part of the movie seem like there is a demon. They aren't saying that out loud. It's not a confusion. They are saying Churro. Like a witch and a demon to me are different. You know, like a, like a demon comes from another realm or a demon possesses you. A Churel is like made by circumstance. The Monsters Feminine is on TikTok, so please go leave us a comment. If you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout out and our next episode is our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week, is Questioning Bitch, who commented on our Fear Street talk and said, I loved listening to this one. Well, we love you, we love Questioning you. Bitch. What are you questioning? I love your username. <laughs> I think we all know. Yeah, they're part of the community. Friendly reminder that we're also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear a cut discussion from our main episodes. And for £5 a month, you get all that plus a bonus episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please support us. Any contribution helps. There's a whole separate genre of like historical drama of Bollywood. Like they love their big war stories. They're like Mughal Empire, Hindu marries Muslim, like giant epic war stories. And this felt like it was part of that. Like they sort of like freeze things in time and just like display it, which I think is problematic a lot of the time. This starts with 1881 during the Bengal presidency. So it's like, again, in colonialism time. But I don't think it doesn't really cross through to independence at all. No, it's just, it stays, I think, in that. I think it stays in like that. Turn of the century, kind of. Yeah. I was trying to think of the exact span was, but it must be, I think, 20 years or something. I thought like the hints of colonial, well, not even hints, the direct mentions of colonialism were like interesting. Like if we're talking about Satya, I think when he's like hunting for the trail, he's like, oh, one of the guys tells him, our British laws mean that we can't just use suspicion. We need proof. I also thought, like, it's interesting that as Satya grows older and is, like, educated elsewhere, like, in London, he, like, loses touch with, like, his local folklore because he was the one who taught Bulbul what a Chirail was in the beginning of the movie. And then by the, but, like, by the middle when he returns from, like, studying, he doesn't even, like, consider that it could be a Chirail. He's like, oh, it's obviously, like, a man. Only a man could do this. It's like that classic, like, as you've been educated, you become more ignorant kind of thing. It's like distance him from his, like, local folklore, which actually would have helped him solve the crime that he's investigating. When he said it's obviously a man, and then she was like, why not a woman? It reminded me of Lady Gaga being like, I don't believe in the glorification of murder. I do believe in the empowerment of women. I thought that too. (laughs) That's the driving force behind this. And I really struggle with it because like they'll out and out kill a woman under suspicion of being a Tyrell. Like still, it's again of this like West versus East, but like post-colonial, pre-colonial struggle of like, yes, we want to like reclaim our traditions and like make movies that are about like the things that we believe. But at the same time, y'all use those things to oppress people. Like you're not gonna diagnose something as a mental illness because it's a possession. You're not about to believe that a murder was committed by a man. It was committed by a Tyrell. Like it's presenting these like weird dichotomies that like have real life consequences. Like the same way we have always talked about the way that witches 
are treated in media, but also in history. Like to call a woman a witch or to say that a woman in your neighborhood or in your community is a witch is to like put a target on her back. So like, I really struggle with these movies that are like meant to be empowering where it's like, oh, she's not the villain. She's doing violence to like as revenge. But like IRL, people are accused of being witches. Like if I lived in a vacuum, I'd be like, yeah, get them, kill them, do it. It's not so much that I didn't like that she turned out to be the trail. I liked that, but I didn't like that it necessitated a graphic rape scene. Did not necessitate. Yeah, it totally changed it from like a very beautiful, lyrical, haunting film about like women's autonomy to just exploitative. You're not the the only one. There was a review I read, like this is a kind of critique of it. Sangmitra Juthwani for Flickside.com kind of said they lingered on that, like the violence against women a bit too long for it to feel a bit exploitative. And instead of giving a backstory, it kind of ends up romanticizing violence against women a bit. In an interview for HuffPost, Anita Dutt like commented on this. And there's quite a lot of text here, but I'm just going to read out what the director had to say about it. She said, to write it was very difficult, and then to shoot it with a clinical detachment, sit and do the shot, break down even more so. Why was it written? Because I wanted to take my character through the extremes of male violence, to break her down completely before I equip her to rise again. Why was it kept the way it is? For the same reason that you noted in your review, I don't want to show what is being done. I want to show what it's doing to her. I want you to feel what she's feeling, and like you wrote, not cut away from it to something that dilutes her pain. In both those scenes, being the feet being whipped and the rape scene, you see something breaking inside her. There's a physical part of it. And then there's the spirit that's destroyed. When such violence is inflicted on you, that's the effect of it. When someone hurts you that way, it lasts a lifetime. You watch it coming to you very slowly. It feels like it's going on and on and on when it might not be that long. Every second feels elongated. To capture that, I want it to happen that slowly. Your heart has to break and you must become one with her vulnerability. Yes, it's aesthetic, but the eventual feeling it inspires is horror. And the idea was for you to stay and process that violation and not look the other way. You are already doing that in real life. The scene where he's hitting her, it reminded me of, there's this like YouTube video that talks about Oscar bait films, like the various checklists that they'll go through. Emotive score, slow motion, provocative imagery. And that scene for me felt like the epitome of the aestheticization of violence. But then following that with the rape scene that I disagree with her and that I don't think it was necessary to see her spirit break because I think like the scene after where the doctor sees the um, blood down her leg. Yeah, that would have been enough. There could have been a moment there. Watching it as a woman I think is super different and rape in India is such a fucking problem and it's like gang rape, like really violent. Like I get what she means by like you already do that in real life. Like she's dead ass right about that. Like people will be in a place where something like that is happening and just like turn away. It isn't can't go to the police. It's not prosecuted. I understand why she thought she had to like take it to that extreme. That being said, I think it was a wrong choice for a lot of reasons. It also like put it in this historical context, which is distant from ours, right? Like I'm not worried that I am a child as as a child bride I'm going to be put into a situation like this, but there's still sexual assault in the world. So like I was still able to distance myself from it, even though like, yeah, during the scene, I'm in it like 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 you wanted. But immediately I wanna be out of it. Like I wanna root for her and I wanna root for 
I guess the evil or like the dark or like the tether version of her, this more confident version of her. But like, I was so on her side and I still am on her side, but like, I, I'm, I'm struggling with it now. I guess it's complicated to try to want everyone to bear witness, but then making like female audiences bear witness to stuff that already happens to them is like... It's like that movie Revenge that came out a few years ago and it's like in the desert feels very Mad Maxi but not really. And it's like the whole thing is just a rape revenge story. And so like while the movie is well made and it's action packed or whatever and it's a good thriller like that being the basis of the entire story just feels icky. There was nothing else that you felt could have gotten them to the point of like where everyone else turns against her other than her boyfriend's friend raping her and then showing it on screen she says she wanted you to see her spirit break but like actually she's so i didn't actually realize this until for some reason until i read the wikipedia summary afterwards that he kills her in that moment which i hadn't even like he suffocates her which is strange because he's not really covering her nose i thought it's because she had so many internal injuries already but yeah so it's difficult because you don't really see her spirit break so much as you see her die so it's like I get what she's saying and like overall you see like her spirit break throughout the film and that is like a defining moment and whatever but yeah it is a bit difficult. I also think you said the scene with the blood that was also horrific especially straight after it was like those two sequences provided absolutely no relief like it was like well it didn't happen straight after first she comes back to life and then the doctor comes in the room but you know what I mean it happens quite close together in the film. It basically felt like please just do one because then the blood thing became extra horrific because you had just been forced to watch it. It was just a very difficult like thing. I feel like it was something that you'd want like perhaps like, a man to bear witness to more so like look at what's been going on. I don't know if every male audience has the emotional capability to watch scenes like that and actually take anything away from it um, due to the fact that some pornographic content is just as violent. So I don't know that I would trust that because of how that entire like pornography subculture has like went into extreme violence. Or they consider themselves like the good guy who isn't, who would never do anything like that. And then they watch a scene like that and they're like, well, I would certainly never kill a woman. Like it takes it to too much of an extreme for it to be applied to anybody's analysis of themselves. Basically, I think that this was... It was certainly, like, I get why she included it. Like, I get her reasoning. It was, it's her art, so I understand, like, why she viewed it with, like, the lens you're supposed to. There's a different cultural context to it. Different countries experience different attitudes towards things like rape culture and their, like, feminist outlook of it. But I think that what made the scene worse was the twin brother. I don't know what disabilities he had. It's played off as quite vague. I don't know. I have an auntie who is severe learning difficulties and she also in a similar manner has like kind of like a mental capacity of like a three-year-old. I did have a tiny issue with this film in that and I'll give her the benefit of the doubt in that I did go visit my auntie and there are grown men like there was one grown man there who had like chronic public masturbation problem and it was frightening like I was a child walking into that scenario seeing this grown man touch himself in the corner of the room. It was scary. I'm sure that this man who is like this twin brother to this wealthy landowner family, they completely swept it under the rug. He got like no nurturing towards his condition. They just treated him as like, they didn't cater to it in any way, shape or form. So perhaps he might not know right and wrong. Perhaps he was not nurtured in the way and he would be like an aggressor in that manner. But I don't know. It seemed a little bit like 
making horrific out of disability. Also because she he's the trail like Bubbles first victim. It's like, look at what you did. And I was like, okay, but if we're going along the narrative of like mentally he's a child who doesn't know about boundaries or body or like an awareness or sex. He's just like going off of a pure impulse because he was never taught. It seems almost unfair that he was murdered. It made me just kind of sad. It made me sad to watch him be like the main antagonist even more so than the other brother who beats her because he just goes away. So you don't really see his revenge. So it was just kind of sad to me that he becomes like the main antagonist and i didn't understand like why like why was he even a character at all like this whole the whole plot makes sense if it's just her husband meets her and he doesn't have a brother at all like that would still work I think she wanted to exaggerate like the tragedy of Benondini's like situation and that she was basically married to somebody who can't even which is really bad to to marry them but like somebody who can't like properly understand the connotations of that and everything and legalities but um she was married to this person who's like not mentally at an age that she is and it's like meant to show her like women as property and really exasperate her her situation as a tragic character I don't know I just I wasn't really vibing with that bit to that end, like those choices, like the director, like the director's choices made me question all the other things that maybe worked, right? Like I'm still sitting here now thinking like, mm, does it work? I mean, I can't even call it like a overlooking because it was like, it's done with such purpose. Here we are with a paragraph with its purpose. And like, I cannot find purpose for his character at all. Like I can't, like beyond that he was married or that they were treating him like anybody else. And that would be fine. We don't always need a purpose in film and art, but she inserted a purpose when she made him, like you say, the main antagonist and the perpetrator of a horrific crime. It makes her seem like she kills indiscriminately after that point. To me, that's where it loses its revenge-based focus. I think there's even a line that's like, oh, all men are the same. And that is the point of why he was the first victim. Like all men will oppress you. Everything that I like about her you know, alter character who's like very confident and straightforward and isn't going to be told what to do and is the lady of her house and takes control of things. Like all of a sudden that character loses rationality to me. Like she's she just, she just kills and kills whoever wrongs her. But like the wrongs are different. Not all wrongs are the same. Not all men are the same. Not all crimes are the same right like and her being all of a sudden she just feels like hedonistic and like without reason and that's what made me feel like oh maybe this is a demon maybe this isn't this is not a possession by a goddess maybe this is not a Tyrell, which is something that like has been depicted in a positive way even if it's a revenge story like at that point she seemed possessed and demonic like goddesses don't just kill to like and especially with the fire at the end like you just you wanted to purify the whole place. I get the symbolic energy of that, but like it, it felt just like divine chaos. And if that's the case of it, then sure, I can accept that. Then there needs to be less intention. Like me, like what you're saying, like not everything needs purpose. Then I need this to be a movie with less purpose. If the end is meant to be like divine chaos will purify us all. She does actually talk about, um, the director talks about the ending as well. So first of all, she talks about like the sort of feminist interpretation of the film in general. And she says, and this is, um, again, with an interview for HuffPost, done by Ankar Pathak. And she says, people call the film a feminist fairy tale. It isn't. It's a tragedy. The story is set 200 years ago, but it's still relevant. The voice is still as prevalent. 
it isn't something that you say, oh, this used to happen. It is still happening in houses and offices and trains and buses. The very fact that I am telling this story is a reflection of my pain and disappointment. Now, why am I telling it? Stories, I believe, have insidious power. I make it pretty looking to invite you in. But once in, you realize it's a Dorian Gray kind of painting. You see your own reality, your own reflection, your own complicity. At the very least, I hope it makes you think and introspect. It's also a warning to women. Don't wait for someone to come and fix it. Don't be quiet. Reclaim the power you've always had. Of course, my character takes it to an extreme. I get why she did it. I just think it was too much. If I was meeting her in person, she would convince me that this is the greatest film I've ever made. Like, she's very eloquent and she is very convincing. But I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. In the New Indian Express interview, the writer says, Dutt doesn't glorify the witch as the martyr. And then Dutt says, it is about payback. It's not the burning of the woman but also the forest that feeds her you will burn down the system rather than let her survive so that's kind of what she said so but i guess like you're right this it was kind of like dismantling the whole system or burning down the forest but i thought those were some interesting perspectives on like why she did what she did i certainly understand it like you said i understand it it's just sometimes i'm like oh okay yeah and i get her point about like she chose a style that was deliberately inviting and pleasing it did feel like a tragedy, like the aesthetics of it were like the house was gorgeous, the clothing was gorgeous, like they do lure you in with those things and they hit you with the sort of like unsatisfying is not the word, but I say like an unsatisfying ending in that like she does not really receive or dole out justice. Like it's just a hard reset on everything. I think that the nice guy encapsulated by Satyar is like really good. I just feel like his whole arc and stuff, how he set up... He is, like, the nice guy kind of trope. And I think she captures, like, the kind of subtleties of, like, how sexism looks on a nice guy very well. Because he ends up being, like... At the end, he even moves away. He says he moves away from the house land because he thinks he's becoming too much like his brother. And it really just puts them in close proximity to show how they're both the side of the same coin, basically. Like, one's just further along in the misogyny than the other is. So I thought that was really, really good. She says about, again in the New Indian Express interview, and Vita Dutt says, The nice guy Satyar would have saved the princess in the Disney fairy tale, but you see him slipping into the same trap. And in contrast, the Dr. Sudeep is a reflection of the Renaissance man, almost an olive bulbul who knows that she is more than what he can imagine or deal with. And then she said in another interview uh, written by Shamini Sen for... Why on? And Vita says, I have so many male friends who called me and said, you know, somewhere we are all Satya, though we'd like to believe we are Sudeep. So I think like maybe if if like the rape, because of like what you're saying, Ty, about like violent porn and everything, pornography, if the rape doesn't cause any kind of self-reflection, I think potentially like Satya's character might, like that nice guy kind of figure. Because he really is set up, like he might save her in the end and then he's just like actually... There was also a, a point about predictability because some people criticized this film and said, oh, you totally knew it was the Chideo, like the whole point. And I was like, I still really enjoyed it. And I think she had a really good response to that and that she said um, with the interview for HuffPost, she said, that's the gamble I took. For me, it was a how done it, not a who done it. It's not an investigative mystery. I'm telling you the tale of a girl, who she is and how she became that way. You see her as a little girl and then you see her as this grown up woman fanning herself. I wanted to fill in the gaps in between. I knew the audience is gonna go come on she's literally saying it look at the way she's looking at you look at the way she's smiling it's deliberate i'm giving that benefit to the audience 
that you are smart. You understand stories, you understand people, you get characters. I am engaging with you purely through the telling of it. And it's okay if the characters in the film don't get it. Some of them are just pretty daft. It was never supposed to be a suspenseful film. It was a character's journey of this girl losing her freedom and then regaining it. I love that smile she gives. I made a note. I was like, why is she cheesing? I think she did it. Like, like the second she looked at it, I'm like, oh, it's her. She done it. Look at that evil smile. It's channeled through Satyar as well because she just stands it. She just like mocks him. And I think that like, again, their dynamic's really good because she basically shows how like he's become laughable to her. She changes so much. Like, I don't know how anybody didn't pick up like herself before that. She's so like meek and quiet and like she occasionally pushes back, but not really. And like the woman fanning herself on the steps is like, she is the moment. She played it really, really well. And especially like, nobody was suspicious that like, okay, so the sister-in-law shaves her head. She's mourning. She's wearing white and she's in like full colors. Her She didn't like dressing up before. Like all of a sudden she likes dressing up now that somebody died and you're not supposed to be dressing like that. Like good for her. Is it good for her? Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Mon Femme Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on TikTok at the Monstrous Feminine Pod. Brooms up, which is out.